This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Gate for August 4th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on the our own dedicated RSS feed on the podcast platform application of choice. You can find us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, it'd certainly be appreciated, not required at all. Click the link in the show notes or go to Red Circle and you're able to do a one-time or reoccurring donation. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, and I'm joined as always by Case Lowe. And Case, I've been practicing this phrase for the last few days because this is the thing that rang in my head right as it happened. El numero uno is now number one. We are now in the world <laughs> of Ada as the Open the Dreamgate champion. Case, how are you doing? Mike, I don't want to talk about the hench water infused with lemon essence that I'm drinking I don't want to talk about the sparkling water that you spilled all over your desk right before we started recording. I want <laughs> it's hint to as talk. well. It's hint as well. It's hint as well. I want to talk about the fact that we have a new Open the Dreamgate champion in Dragon Gate. The result stunned me. I think the result surprised you. The match quality shocked the both of us. And I have to say, up top, I... Didn't think this run would happen. I did not think Ata would win. And the idea of him winning gravely concerned me. But now that we have seen the result, now that the match has played out, I gotta say, I am guns a-blazing towards the future. I am excited at what is to come because I genuinely do not know what direction things are going to go. All I know is, is that the right step was taken at Memorial Gate in Wakayama. Yeah, and... I managed to stay unspoiled until I watched this show. I managed to stay unspoiled as I watched an F1 race live before the show. <laughs> I just stayed off Twitter, and I assumed nothing crazy happened because I didn't have DMs from anyone. I didn't have text messages from anyone. Maybe everyone took the hint that I was going to watch the show unspoiled, and they didn't ruin it for me. And if that was the case, thank you very much. I appreciate it because, holy crap, I remember on our preview, I had the last caption, and I was talking about how there was the ADA problem on what do you do with Ada? How do you treat Ada? You put him in this situation, what's going to happen? They completely went above and beyond all my expectations. They completely went above and beyond and had an incredible match and a match that, you're absolutely right, we're in this now time period where there are certain things that the history would teach us that we should expect certain things. We've also just seen someone win the Dreamgate on their first key, the the third person ever to do it, behind Yamato and Masaki Mochizuki. 
we've seen someone become the uh, fourth Grand Slam champion in Dragon Gate history. And he's the only person who have done it also as a King of Chop as well. And now we're in this like really interesting period that like this show was exactly kind of the show. I guess we're going to talk about Memorial Gate up top and then we'll preview the shows that are coming up on the network. This was the show to start off this crazy August into September and their hot period. We're in the hot season of Dragon Gate. It's going to be a sprint to the end of the year. And this is how you do it. And that was like my big takeaway from the show. Yeah, I should note, I watched the show uh, not live, but unspoiled as well. I went to watch the show live. I had my energy drink. I had my Twizzlers. And I went to fire up the Drangate Network, and I was getting an error code that I have not seen before or since. I'm not sure why it happened, and it seemed to be sporadic. And who it affected, I know the producer, Andrew Rich, was caught up with the same error message. Uh, but there were other people in Japan and worldwide that did not have the issue. So I stayed up all night to watch this show, tried it on multiple browsers, uh, tried perhaps maybe uh, trying an illegal stream of sorts, uh, but I pay for the network, so it's okay. Um, personal and, use, personal and, use. And nothing was working. So I stayed up all night for this show and then went to bed at about 3.15 in the morning furious that I oh, could God. not get my live stream to work. Um, and then I, I stayed spoiler-free. How I stayed spoiler-free, I deleted Instagram off of my phone that night. Uh, oh, because I, I follow so much of the roster on there, and I have a... I mean, I have a horrible, horrible phone addiction. I'm just, I just like having my phone in my hands, and it gives my hands something to do and this and that, but specifically, my instinct to swipe up on my phone, unlock it, and go to the Instagram app, which is the one app that I, like, if social media could go away tomorrow and I wouldn't miss it, Instagram I would kind of miss. I actually think there are a lot of, like, interesting things on that app. I have a very well-curated Instagram feed, but even as I was watching this show, in, in dull moments in between matches, I would scroll up on my phone, unlock it, and my thumb would go right to where that Instagram app used to be. And instead it opened CBS Sports Fantasy Football, which is useless at this time period. <laughs> so it was okay. It was uh, it, it evened out. But it was, it was eye-opening at just how helpless I am towards my phone. But I watched the show unspoiled. Like Mike said, it just... It seemed to deliver and exceed every expectation that we have. And, and now we have a champion who, you know, if we want to talk about this Ata Dreamgate run and the possibilities of it, he is uh, now having the 31st reign as Open the Dreamgate champion. He is the 16th unique champion. And if we kind of shift back a little bit on the timeline and look at the prior 10 Open the Dreamgate champions, just quickly, and, and this wasn't intended to be uh, the last 10, it just so happened that it was the number that it worked out on. It was a nice little, you know, coincidence there. But Eita, Naruki Doi, Benkei, Pac, Yoshino, Mochizuki, Yamato, Shingo, Susumu, Shingo, Yoshino, BB Hulk. So on that list of guys, I mentioned this for a reason because, you know, Masato Yoshino and Shingo and Susumu multiple-time Dreamgate champions. Pac, it was his first title run, but he was established when he won the title. There was no doubt that he was going to kill it. 
You look at Ben K. That was his crowning achievement. We spent months telling you he is going to beat Pocket Kobe World and he is going to become a certified superstar. And to an extent, that is exactly what happened. The rain was much shorter than Mike and I expected it to be, but the rain worked in Ben K's favor, and he has transitioned from a Dreamgate champion to a Triangle Gate champion quite well. The one guy on that list that I think is comparable to Ata's random, Mike, I want to know if you agree or disagree with me, is BB Hulk, who won the title in 2014 at Kobe World against Yamato, and is someone who, for as high as he's peaked, even in 2014, before the serious injuries, when he was, you know, post-boy uh, band dancing BB Hulk, post-Blood Warriors mad blanky BB Hulk, and was this new babyface about to lead a new face unit and die hearts into the future, there was uh, maybe some reservation about whether or not BB Hulk could hold the top spot on the company. Maybe some reservation as to whether or not he was cut out for that top spot on the company. And I think that is the closest comparison we have to what this Ata reign could be. Yeah, and I think Hulk, I mean, because everyone else there, with the exception of Binke, these are, the, and Impact, these were the, they're the only uh, unique champions, so it was only their first reign. And Hulk's kind of set forth how they did uh, face turns for a long time. And this is something that I think will be real interesting to watch over the next few months. Because Hulk recently turned face, he was turned on by Mad Blanky, and then he was saved at the Dead or Alive cage by the people that would later form Dia Hearts with him. And then they kind of like had like this thing where he was a lone wolf becoming champion. Then he became, then they formed Dia Hearts, and he had a real after they got past the like weird Mad Blanky thing where there was an interim champion because they made him do a gauntlet match. He had some really solid matches against his. Uh, his generational peers in Tazao and Shingo, but the thing is the Shingo match basically broke his body. And then the rest of his reign was just kind of there, and he was hurt for a lot of it, kind of really put uh, Dia Hearts in a bad position, and then he finally lost the title further down the road. So it is the, the comp here. It I mean, the big difference there is I feel like that for BB Hulk at that point, we've already seen like all the different versions of BB Hulk Whereas we've really only kind of seen two versions of Ada, I would say. We we had like the uh, Millennials and R.E.D. member, which is, other than R.E.D. being much more heelish, he's had like a very similar heel character. And then we had the over-generation time. So he's much younger than B.B. Hulk was in 2014. His health history, much better than this is. And a lot like when Hulk won the title, there were a lot of possibilities of where they can go going forward because having Ada in here and having Ada going into the hot season, there's a lot of ways that they can really treat this rain. But at the very least, they, they they have a couple of sticks in the fire right now. There's a couple of hot dogs in there that they're, that's about ready to take out from the campfire case. And I think that played into the match expertly well. And I'd be remiss if we didn't, uh, if we didn't recognize that Naruki Doi for this title rain that I would love to know what was going to happen at Aichi, at Dead or Alive, because this, and as you said in your excellent review, which talks all about Ada at Voices of Wrestling, this was a Kobe World match that happened, sadly, in front of a third of a house in Wakayama, Japan. Like, what what, what did we miss there? Because Naruki Doi had an excellent reign. Like, this this is a reign that, like, sadly, was mitigated by the thing, 
but it's set up perfectly well for now. Ada has the ball. Now it's time to see where he goes with it. Yeah, if you look at Hulk's title reign, which I, I was thinking about earlier today as I was preparing for the show, it is a super underappreciated title run because he wins the title from Yamato at World 2014 in a match that is good, not great. It's got even for me, it's got some selling flaws, and it's it's a long Dreamgate match. I really liked the gauntlet elimination uh, interim champion angle they did with Mad Blanky because that led into BB Hulk versus Naruki Doi. Uh, and Ota City at Dangerous Gate 2014. That's a great match. Now, there is a 25-minute BB Hulk versus Cyber Kong match. I did not like it at the time, and I will not rewatch it ever. Um, I, I would say you can avoid that. But then from there, Hulk goes into defenses against Tozawa, against Shingo, against Susumu, and against Uha Nation in his farewell before yet another Cyber Kong defense, this one eight minutes, before finally losing the title to Yoshino in June at a Hakata Star Lane show. So, match quality-wise, if H's run is anything like BB Hulk's, I think we have a winner. I, I think that is a success all the way around. What blows me away is that I am saying this when H is the champion, because I just, I was not anticipating such a home run presentation for the way he won the belt. And I, I talk about it in my review, which, you know, uh, Mike, thank you for the kind words you've said to me. Uh, a lot of people have complimented me on it. I, I appreciate that. Mike said I will be running wrestling media in 15 years. I am not sure if that is a compliment or an insult, uh, but he did. Compliment. Compliment. He, he, I'm staying on your good side. It was a compliment. <laughs> well, that is the thing. J just the quick, as, as we record on August 4th, 2020, the good side rankings and the bad side rankings, good side, just to be clear, Mike Spears, Aaron Bentley, Alan Forel, the nurse. The bad side, Andy Labar. Remember that as I rise to the wrestling media empire. But I talked all about how Ata just, it's just one miss after another. It's a guy set up to succeed in a guy that ultimately never really rose to the heights that we expected him, at least in the West. And I would like to have a little bit more information on the way the natives view him, but at least in the West, this is a guy that, and we've talked about it on the show, in 2016 when he wrestled Tozawa and then Susumu and then Liger and then Yosuke Santa Maria at Kobe World, that three-month stretch, the discourse online was that Eita, sooner rather than later, should be an open the Dreamgate champion, that he should be the one to take the ball and run with this company. As I talk about in, in the piece I wrote on Ata at voicesofwrestling.com, Ata's improb improbable rise in Dragon Gate Gate review, it was just, it just fell off a cliff so quickly. I mean, over generation fizzled out, and, you know, he wins the open the Brave Gate title at Kobe World 2016. At Kobe World 2017, they did an open the Triangle Gate tournament. And he is on the losing side of a match. Uh, it, it is a six way or a six man with Ben K, Big R, Shimizu, and Kotoka against, I believe, it is Gamma Yamamura and Ata. And not only do the over generation side lose that match, but Ata is the one that gets pinned. And then he turns on Dragon Kid, and he and Dragon Kid have that long feud that I just did not enjoy a second of. And then, you know, like I talk about, he was a, he was a great number two. You know, when Pac was there. When Pac was running R.E.D., Ata was awesome because the pressure was off of him because he could fall into the sp in, into the the shadows a little bit and let Pac do the heavy lifting. And then Ata, with his charisma alone, 
could get by as an effective number two. And I just worried as we went along and I saw this build. It's like, well, God, they, they really put themselves in a position, especially in the build to this match where Doi was not only beating the R.E.D. side, but he was pinning Aita directly. You know, this match is going to have long-term ramifications one way or another because either Aita is going to win, which at the time I feared would be an evil-esque run-in just debacle, or Doi is going to beat this guy clean multiple times in the build-up to the biggest match of his life and then beat him clean in the biggest match of his life, and Aita would never, would never be considered a legitimate main eventer after that. He would always be the guy that was good but not good enough if he would have lost this match. What I was not anticipating was a clean finish where Ata sets up multiple angles down the line because if already turned on Ata, there is a BB Hulk match and a Big R Shimizu match waiting to happen. You could book those the next day and they would draw on top of the Dragon Gate generation matches that Ata can have and the Toriumon generation matches that Ata could have and the fact that he might be champion when the generational warfare unit or the angle ends. And then, you know, who knows after that, because at that point it is a mad shuffle to gain allies in the ever-changing world of Dragon Gate. But what I was not expecting was a clean victory where he held his own, where he submitted Naruki Doi clean in the middle of the ring, and where Mike, for me, this is the greatest Ata performance of all time. And he's had a lot of good ones. The Jushin Thunder Liger match. Uh, all three... Akira Tozawa matches, Kobe World 2015, May Corcoran Hall 2016, and June, the King of Gate tiebreaker match in 2016. This is Suma Yokosuka match that people go on and on about from June 2016 as well. He's had a number of great individual performances, including the Millennials tags, including the later stuff he did with T-Hawk and Eita. All of those matches are really great. In the, in the grand scheme of things, Eita has a surprising list. For someone that I'm so cold on at times, Eita has a laundry list of great matches. And this was his best match and his best individual performance I have ever seen. Yeah, like, I co-sign all of what you're saying. I did think about the Susumu match, because you know how much I love the Susumu match. I love the Apocalypses as a move <laughs> so much. <laughs> like, having that, like, that was such a cool match. But that was all table setting. They were just setting up a problem, and I know it go back to the Ada problem. For me, in sports entertainment, the most interesting thing to me, and why not to go on a complete tangent here, the most interesting sport to me is college football. And that is because it, you look at the NFL, the NFL has perfected a problem. There are people that will change the, the situation, like the idea of how do we beat this guy, how do we beat this team, but it goes back to normal on a pretty regular basis. Wouldn't you say, okay, it's like NFL, the, there are some blips, but... Other than, like, Michael Vick and Colin Kaepernick, there's not been people who just, and now Patrick Mahomes, people who just, like, transcendently break the problem for long. College football, College football is a greatly changing thing where a new problem comes up each year, and then people try to counter it, and people have their own many problems they have. Like, last year we saw, what do you do with LSU and Joe Burrow now tied up with the Coach O defense and why LSU is so improbably great. And in the past we've had teams like the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers, a team that's close near dear to my heart, the 2001 through 2003 Miami Hurricanes. But it's a constant thing. But Dragon Gate created a problem with Ada over the last few years. Some of it was a problem of Ada's own making. I think that that should be clear that this was like not just the promotion like setting this up for him and taking the ball. Ada has to be the person in the driver's seat here. 
and he was in the driver's seat here. But for pretty much from basically since he came back from Mexico up until two days ago, there was a thing of how is Ada going to be the guy? Because he was great as, as Pac's number two because Pac can be the person that felt like the big bad and Ada's the straw that stirs the drink. And that was a great role for him now. And it puts enough thoughts, like at least in my mind, of, and uh, over last week thinking of like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen with this? And then there was like a moment in this match. This match goes just over 31 minutes. It goes close to 32 minutes with Ada winning with the El Numero Uno. The first time he kicked out of the muscular bomb, I went, this is happening. How is this going to happen for the rest of this thing? And then they just had the match of not just probably Ada's life, but probably with the exception of, no, I think I like this match more than the KZ match, even though I think the KZ match was better. I like this match more. This might have been Naruki Doi's like, crowning achievement was the singles match. I, well, 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 a few things here. Because first of all, just to put a put a pin in the career of Ata up to this point. It is something we've talked about on the show that we've held against him that needs to be that needs to be recognized when you talk about Ata being in the driver's seat is and I talk about it in the piece, the OWE split happens and whether Ata was offered a spot to go with him or not, I, I do not know. And if somebody knows and has reliable information, please let me know because I I am very curious. But the fact is Shima left and Shima took his tag partner his rival and Al Lindemann and Takahiro Yamamura, who was in the same unit as Ata for most of their careers, and Yamamura blew past Ata before the injuries derailed him. Because it went from June 2016, man, Ata's the guy they should really build around him, to February of 2017, let's make a belt for Yamamura. Let's make this man champion of the people if he's not going to be open the Brave or open the Dreamgate champion. And Shima picked those three to go with him to start this new venture, which whatever your thoughts are on OWE, you know, we we certainly uh, have been let down by the prospect of it all. The fact is, at the time, that was a really big blow to the company, and Shima's Midas touch was as strong as ever when he took T-Hawk, Al Lindemann, and Takahiro Yamamura with him, and they left Eita. And whether or not it was Eita's decision to stay or not, we do not know, but the fact is, the optics of the situation at the time was that Ata was left behind. Not that he was staying strong and standing with Drangate, but that he was left behind by Shima, who was looking for greener pastures. And it was a direct result, in my opinion, of the time on looking that, well, yeah, because Ata disappointed. Because Ata had had the ball, and he fumbled it. You know, he, he couldn't handle the pressure of being this pushed commodity. His Bravegate run failed. His feud with Dragon Kid was no good. He and T-Hawk as a team, and Antios... It existed, and they had good matches, but it wasn't the same as the Millennials team. The Millennials team felt dynamic and important. The Antios team, it was a rehash of an old thing. It was like when, when Kaneska comes back, it's like, well, the matches are good, but it's not it's not what it once was, you know, who so kinda of who cares? And it was it was the same deal there. And then for Ata, I just cannot believe he had this performance in him and to talk about the match. You know, I wasn't I wasn't totally feeling it early on. Uh, I, the 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 opening portion of the match, I liked that Ato was working over the arm of Naruki Doi, but I wasn't necessarily super invested in everything that was happening. I I knew it was playing into something, and I I liked it, but it wasn't you know it wasn't raw underground. It wasn't exactly heated grappling, but you know, in a very real sense, it was it was Dreamgate grappling, which is not always the most exciting thing. 
And then Aita takes that Doi Fives over the top rope. A mind-numbing spot. Mike, serious question. Would you rather take the Doi Fives to the floor or the muscular bomb? That's a loaded question. (laughs) I bring the heat, Mike. I bring the heat. So, muscular bomb has almost ended people's careers because they take it wrong. Like, Shima basically... Literally broke Shima's neck with it. Literally broke Shima's neck with it to the extent that this move was sealed for years. Ironically enough, the last person who take it was Ada before it was unsealed. So, that Doi Fives, though, I mean, you gotta be... You have to push off the shoulder so well because you don't have a lot of clearance you're working with because you want to make it look devastating, but you don't want to take it flat. You want to be able to have like something so like physics works in a way that like you're not just going like ten feet to the floor, but you also don't want to like hit your head on the apron from that. Which or, is like, which re- just to, to cut you off real quick. That's what I thought happened. So when I was watching the match live, I thought Doy threw this guy head first onto the apron, into the corner of the ring. And when Aita hit the ground, I expected him to come up covered in blood. Because just from the way it was shot, that single cam and the thud it made, I really thought Aita hit his forehead straight on the ring apron and then went down and was expecting accidental blood, like Muda scale levels of bleeding from here on out. And then I went back and watched the gift. I was like, ah, he doesn't doesn't quite hit his head. But still, the margin of error there is just a slim... As the muscular bomb. Yeah, it, it's slim in different ways. Like, that's the thing that we're talking about here. This one, the muscular bomb, it's like the Styles Clash. You take it, if you take it the right way, you're fine. But the uh, Doi's Fives, it's to the apron of the floor is just insane. And that was really, like, you're dead on. This is when the match really kicked up. Like, I'm, like, looking at my notes as I re- take notes during all these matches. I did have a moment before the muscular bomb where I said, like, well, you know, this is kind of working this like how King of Gate was in 2016. And then at the, the Doi Fives happened, and then everything kind of like put up right there. It just kind of really kicked up, and it kicked up. And for like the crowd, that I mean, this is a match that probably more so than any match in Dragon Gate, I wanted this match in front of crowds that would have been allowed to emote. Because there were like moments where like you could tell like after like the first muscular bomb kick out that someone screamed and like put their mouth hand over their mouth to stop themselves from screaming partway through it, or the, it, it's it awesome was, it, it is it is the first like verbal outcry that has been heard at one of these at one of these shows since the, you know the, the Japanese fans have been told you know please do not make noise please just clap and stomp so we can help curve the virus a little bit and doy hits the muscular bomb and there is a shriek of horror from the audience it is unbelievable and it is so dramatic, and it is just, it is what that match needed. Just that one little outburst of like, oh my god, like this is serious. And Aita kicked out. You said that is when the wheels came, emo- it, 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 it went, went emotion in your mind of like, hey, maybe this guy can win this. For me, I was like, oh my god, Doi's going to hit him with another muscular bomb and pin him. Like, I did not believe Ato was winning this match at all until he finally did. Him kicking out of the muscular bomb was in my mind at the time was the saving grace of, okay, he's not entirely buried. Like at least he kicked out of the move. And I wasn't sure if anybody had kicked out before him or not, but I knew if it had happened, it was very few and far between. But then Ata battles back. The arm work comes into play. At one point, he kicks Doi's head off with the Imperial Uno super kick, just deadly stuff. 
and then you can circle back if I missed anything. But you know they they build to this great great conclusion where Ata puts him in the numero uno and wrenches back, and even then, thirty minutes into the match, Ata has his submission locked in in the middle of the ring, and I'm still thinking Doi's gonna reach the ropes. I'm still thinking you know after Ata was handed a chair and tossed it down and said, I'm going to win this match cleanly because BB Hulk wanted him to cheat to win. R.E.D., which, Mike, I don't know if you noticed, R.E.D. did not start this match at ringside, but they no. finished the match at ringside. But the, the pre-match ceremony, there was no R.E.D. members out there, which I thought was very interesting. But they trickle down. BB Hulk hands Ata a chair, wants him to get the upper hand, and Ata says, no, I'm going to win this clean. And with that in mind, even... When Doi was in the middle of the ring with the numero uno locked in, I was still convinced he was going to reach the ropes, that he was going to roll out of it, that he was going to pin Ata then and there with a flash pin, and then Naruki Doi tapped, and we had a new Open the Dreamgate champion. It was something that I want to get more into the RED thing in a minute, but it wasn't just that the, the big rush that happened. Ada kicked out of two Bakatares, a Doi 5, and a Noshigami back to back to back. Like they, like he ate basically everything. And then the last muscular bomb was another moment where like the crowd like was starting to emote in a way that they probably shouldn't have. But, you know, it added to the match because Doi's arm was so destroyed that he was not able to hold on to it. He fell away. And by the time he got over there, it was not enough. And then after each Imperial Uno hit at the end of the match leading to the last El Numero Uno, he just, you could hear, like, crowd mutterance. Like, the crowd's like, okay, this is happening, this is happening. And whatever Ada fans that were in Wakayama for this night, they got to a certain point is insane. And it just, like, it makes me happy. Like, this was a match that, like, I was like, oh, if Ada's going to win, I'm going to dread because this is not going to end well. But this was a guy having... And career performance, and with a someone that, again, I've been there. Naruki Doi is not an inactive participant in this match. Naruki Doi's selling in this match was incredible. That he was the perfect partner for this situation in a tag reign that I know I said before was an excellent tag reign, and one that you know I'm I already look back at more positively than his initial Dreamgate reign, and it just like set this up in a way that. Now we get to see how, as I called Ada, the guy who, who stirs the drink, he's the straw that stirs his drink. What's going to happen now with all these things in motion? What's going to happen now? Because you brought up, like, there's a lot of things that could happen here. And the one thing I'm confident of is that it seems like, and I'm going to be using, and, and, and I've been spurned enough in the past, and I want to fully believe that, okay, this is the Ada that we were thinking we were going to see in 2016, but it does seem like we're getting that. And... I'm looking forward to each time that, for a lot of ways and a lot of reasons, that the the moments of the DK feud get pushed back into it. It's like, oh, that was just a stumbling block along the way. Antios, another stumbling block along the way. Being the leader of his unit, but being outclassed by basically the guy who comes back just for the title ring. That's going to be out of the way. And now we're entering this era that he always had all the ability in the world. He, it was something that even before excursion, they were like, "Okay, this kid," and go back to like to Young Lion Ada Kobayashi stuff. Kind of a weird thing to like look at, but like he was someone that like he found one thing that got him really over, and that was doing the King of Chop tournament. 
and now he has the ball, and now we get to see where he's going to take it. And it's going to be interesting. And the RED thing. So I think this is probably about a time, unless you had any other like thoughts about the match itself. But the no, RED, the RED thing. So Ada comes out by himself. He came out in new gear, which should have, which usually is one of those things. Like, oh no, this is like his Kobe World gear. People have come out in new gear and lost all the time. He got, he got new gear because he's going to become the champion. But then RED comes out partway through. The one time you really notice it is from the crazy Doi fives, and then we have the moment where. There was teasing of the low blow. So Ada's not a full-blown face. Like, we should make that clear. He's still a heel. And he has the moments with that that it looks like, okay, he's going to slum it up. And then BB Hulk tosses a chair to him, and he holds it up and throws it out there. And BB Hulk jumps up on the apron, and the rest of the guys kind of sulk away. But the focus is clearly on BB Hulk and a little bit on Shimizu here really well done and really interesting because now we, we already know that these three guys are going to be in the cage. And Yoshina is going to be in the cage, the person that Ada was obsessed with until winning this match. So it's an interesting way to kind of play into how things are going to go for the rest of August or September in my mind. What were your thoughts about this, how this can lead to other things, and just like the intangibles of what happened with R.E.D.? Assuming we don't have a... 2013 Shingo-esque reign where it really ends before it begins. I think you can pencil in a KZ match, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I think KZ versus Ata is clearly a direction in which they're headed. The storyline all year has been Ata wanting to, in a sense, scalp Yoshino and end his career. I think that's going to happen. I think we're going to get an Ata versus Yoshino Dreamgate match. And then you obviously have to look at the R.E.D. situation where, yes, he's in the cage with Hulk and Shimizu, and I'm assuming at least one of those guys gets a title shot, preferably Shimizu, but I could see Hulk as well challenging for the Dream Gate. So we talked all this time about, you know, no one's really lined up for Doi, but also Doi doesn't really need to have a guy until, you know, November, really. Well, now we've got this A to run where I think realistically, KZ, Yoshino, and after what happens in the cage, Shimizu or Hulk can be lined up for title shots immediately. So there's a lot at play here, a lot that is is going to, I guess, present itself to us, maybe not on this upcoming set of shows, maybe not in August, but in September, as we build towards the cage match and the eventual Dangerous Gate main event. I think we will have a much clearer direction of what this title reign is going to represent for Ata. But ultimately, he's the Open the Dream Gate champion. He has won every title. He has won every tournament, King of Chop included, and history as a result of Ata winning this match. No matter how this reign ends up, no matter how his career turns out, the fact that he won the elusive title, he won the ring, he won the championship, history will be much kinder to Ata when it is all said and done. And I think that's a good way to look at this. Uh, do you want to start, just want to work backwards through the card? I would love to. All right, so that was the second title match, and we had one, one, one title match that, you know, I thought I was pretty certain about the Dreamgate match, but the Twinkgate match in my preview and then us talking about it last week, I was a little bit more up in the air about it was the Open the Twinkgate Championship match where the champion team representing R.E.D. of B.B. Hulk and Kazuma Sakamoto fell in their defense, and they lost the belts to Jason Lee and Kota Minenora. Minenora and Lee become the 49th champion team. 16 minutes, 45 seconds with Kota Minenora pinning Hulk with the gang package Tiger Driver. And, you know, we talk about how 
Ada, they kind of set him up for like this one performance that over like the last month we didn't think was happening and then it happened. This pretty much from when they had crowds on July 4th and July 5th, the, everything was set up for Kota Minenor to have his crowning achievement match. Now all the team belts, the twin and triangle gate, reside within the Dragon Gate generation. And R.E.D. now came out of this thing. Like, they have both the singles champions, but those are where the belts are now. Singles champions are in R.E.D. You have Ishida and Ada, and then the tag team and the uh, triangle, the trios belts, are with uh, with, Tor- with Dragon Gate. And I, you know, this was a match that I really enjoyed. I feel like I'm a little bit higher on than most. I went four flat on it. But I felt like that this, what they set up to do, they accomplished here. Well, it should be noted that all of the champions in the company right now are under the age of 30. And I do not know another promotion, quite honestly, that could even attempt to do that, with the exception of maybe a Joshi promotion where they where they veer younger anyways. I mean, for a, a Japanese men's promotion to have all of their champions not only under 30, but credible and under 30 is an impressive feat that I, I think more wrestling companies should try to accomplish. It is so cool and so satisfying that they pulled the trigger on Coach Minora, and that he not only pinned BB Hulk at the July Osaka show, but he pins BB Hulk here for the title. It is just so nice to see this short story conclude in such a satisfying way. Now, I don't think the match ever approached being great. Uh, there was, I, it was just, it just had an odd pacing to it that I just couldn't entirely get behind. But to look ahead just a little bit, and we will break down these cards later on in the show. But since we, you know talked about what might be next for Ata. I think it's important to look at what is maybe next for the new Twin Gate champions, which on August 8th in Kyoto is going to be Kaisuke Akuda and then Leon Minoru, the champions, against Doi, Susumu, and Kagatora. And then the next night, it is Jason Lee and Punch Tamanaga against Speed Muscle. I wonder who's taking the fall there. But <laughs> you are now looking at a situation where Liam Minora, and this is this is purely hypothetical, there's not necessarily the evidence that Eita has uh, with a KZ or a Yoshino or a Shimizu, but just looking at these cards and trying to piece the puzzle together, we could be getting Liam Minora against Susumu and Kagatora, depending on how that Kyoto match goes, or we could be getting Liam Minora against Speed Muscle, both of which sound incredible, and I hope they go in that direction, and I hope that Kota Minora and Jason Lee succeed, because ultimately, Kota Minora will be fine. This is the first of many titles he will win in that, w- throughout his career. Jason Lee, this is his time. This is his make-or-break moment. I think Jason Lee will always uh, command a, a sense of respect in the booking. He will never be fully buried. But this will determine, I think, whether or not Jason Lee will ever become a credible Open the Brave Gate champion, whether at an Osaka number two or a Fukuoka down the line, Jason Lee could challenge for the Dreamgate title in a few years. This is the make-or-break moment for Jason Lee in his career, and given his track record, I fully expect him to deliver in what is now the biggest uh, phase of his entire career. And it's something that you talk about the future with Jason Lee, it's kind of worth talking about the past because for so long when there were the uh, issues in 2017 and 2018 where the the company was dealing with things and they were just trying to right the ship, they were bailing out water, what you what could you trust on the undercards? You could trust that Jason Lee, each show would be one of this, would be your absolute just champion of the undercard, for lack of a better word. And 
for doing this for so long and him getting this achievement, if anything, like, yes, this is like, this is potential to like set the course of his career. But for a guy who basically, other than his triangle grain that he had right into maximum was just like, he had title shots. He had, he had title shots in big scenarios. I mean, he faced Ishida at final gate for the brave gate championship, but having him get this reward after all the years of him, like coming aboard being taken to like a duck to water and just becoming just like as much of a Dragon Gate Trueborn as anyone else. And for all that work to pay off here, it was incredibly satisfying for Jason Lee. And it's something that this is a team that like when I saw this coming together, I was like, okay, this could happen. This could happen. This could happen. I started to feel like really happy watching this match. And I'm someone that I don't, I'm not someone who necessarily ties my emotions into wrestling other than Akira Tozawa. <laughs> that that's a sore topic for me. We can leave that for things aren't therapy. going well at the Tozawa verse. Are you are you saying there are some issues with maybe the way he's being presented? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyways, anyways, but like I felt myself being like, hell yeah, Jason Lee, you deserve this, man. Like this this rules. And then Kota Minora is like stepping up and he's presented like this. And I like this match. I think I'm I'm assuming a little bit more than you did. I'm bringing. Yeah, I went three and a half with it. Okay, so. The reason why this match worked for me on a way was this is a match that not only is this achievement, but you talked about this paying off down the road for their title reigns and then both their careers. This is a match that's going to be incredibly important for it because they spent in this match that just went six, just 17 minutes, about 17 minutes. They spent a lot of this just soaking in that Kota Minora was surviving. Kota Minora was surviving. He was he was sticking to the fight against guys who were much bigger than him. I mean, Kazma might have a good solid forty pounds on him and at least five inches, but he was sticking with it and they're sticking with it. And then they really committed towards it. And why do I think that's a big thing? Because I like to believe that we live in a world that soon we will be able to have crowd reactions. And what do Dragon Gate fans love more than anything else? It is a young baby face that they can get behind as they rise up. And the fact that they did that there, maybe it's something that doesn't necessarily compute because of the crowd reactions and people aren't going to like innately think, oh, they're getting behind them, I'm getting behind them. But you put the seed in the mind. And that's why I thought like how this match worked really well. And credit to Hulk. Hulk is someone that's slowing down. He's in this role right now that I think is going to be his last big role in the career, in his career. Like, I mean, whatever happens with Ada... After that, I think we're more realistically looking at a world where Hulk's going to start winding down over the next things. Hulk's 40, by the way, people. He's older than people think. And he was gracious in this match in the way of this match was made to get Kota Minor over for the future. And they could have just done this with a flash pen. But they made sure that Kota Minor took this beating and came back and beat the native guy, former Dreamgate champion, as we talked about earlier, with his move in the middle of the ring. And I feel like that that was something that I was like, I have, that's why I was like so much more, I, I guess half star is not really that much, but that's why I was really into this match. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great to see just that story be told. And, you know, there's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure on Ata to lead the company. Now he's the top guy and somehow arguably the most decorated roster member there is now, now that he has the Dreamgate. there's a ton of weight hanging over Ata's shoulders this Twin Gate run, Jason Lee and Coach Minora, it's going to be fun. I, I am just looking forward to seeing the next step here. I have no 
great emotional investment in it. I, I don't think it's going to change my enjoyment of the product one way or another, whereas if Ata's run is bad, I will come on the show and be very grumpy about it. Twin Gate matches are going to be really fun as long to, as long as those two guys are champion. Yeah, the idea of, like, yeah, speed muscle, you have a time limit to do that match, so they should do the match. But those two against Yokosa Chome, that's a match I can get behind. That, that that's you, that, you got a stew going with that match. Like it's gonna be real. It's gonna be really fun to do that. Yes, I yes, I'm pulling Carl Weathers right here for that. But you know, for for like the two title matches, we came out here with three new champions and two first time champions here. Uh, at least for like the belt and for like I guess all three of them are first time champions for the rank. And you know, the, for like the upper card, that was a tremendous thing. And then we got into a lower card that involved a brand new match type that, oh, before we move on, did you have any other last thoughts? I apologize. No, let's, let's, let's go to the three-stable war Wakayama rules tornado tag match. Well, before we go to that tag match, we need to talk about what happens as they open the show. Case, we were so excited about what a Wakayama lottery could be. They each, oh, we, were, we were saying, like, could it be related to this? Could we be getting some oranges or fruit out there? I discovered that a friend of the show, Thoros, sent a tweet that they had a mascot that was a cat. Could the cat been in the ring? We know how much Dragon Kid loves cats. Instead, they had them eat pastries, and only one of them was delicious, and that pers- that team was number one. And then they did one between the two that had the two disgusting ones, and there was one more tasty pastry. Did the Wakayama lottery deliver for you? Here's the thing, Mike. This was on the pre-show when I was having terrible, terrible technical difficulties. And so... I sort of had one eye on this and one eye on the the virtual uh, destruction, the the error message that would not go away on the other screen because this aired on YouTube. So I could see this crystal clear, but I was trying to get this on the network that I pay $15 a month for. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I did not give this the proper focus that I should have because I ended up reading the results. I know, you know, who was coming out when. So... Mike, I I am letting you down as a partner. I am letting the audience down as a member of the wrestling media. Uh, that that I cannot give you a full in depth review of the lottery that took place before this match. But from the way you were describing it and from the little that I saw, it sounded wonderful and it looked wonderful. I mean, Kinky Horiguchi has a very good like bitter beer face that he put on for this. So it was it was a, it was a blast. So the match itself, it was uh, Dragon Gate Generation One. And then it was the RED2, and then Torium on three. Just going through the entrance, just before we break down the match itself, because I take notes. I, I wanted to make sure I had this all down on paper. <laughs> Okuda, Ishida, and Horiguchi started. Then it was Maria from Dragon Gate, Diamante from RED, Dragon Kid from Toriumon. Then it went over again. It was Yamato from Dragon Gate, Shimizu from uh, RED, and then Kondo from Toriumon. The falls were Kondo with the King Kong Lariat on Maria in 10:22, and then Diamante with the Vuelta Finale on Horiguchi. So, I I get like that they were doing like their own thing of kind of doing like a similar to like a War Games match, but only having like one minute just really that part of the match just was like, oh, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. It didn't. I didn't have a whole lot of stuff develop in that part. What was your thought of like the build up to all nine wrestlers being in the ring? It would have been more effective had it been a single elimination match where everybody had to be eliminated by pinfall instead of just the the pinfall eliminates the entire team. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a much more effective way of doing things because you're exactly right. The one-minute intervals didn't 
it was just movement for movement's sake. It didn't really take away from the match. It didn't really add anything. Whereas I think if you're, you know, counting every pinfall and submission as their own, you could have a spot. Because I love that this match started off with Akuda, Ishida, and Horiguchi, guys that have history with one another over this Brave Gate title. I think you could have worked yourself into a spot there where maybe Horiguchi gets pinned before, you know, the second entry of his team, Dragon Kid, comes out. I think that would have been very entertaining. But you can't do that uh, when it's a team elimination match and, and Shuji Kondo had not yet entered the ring. So it, I didn't hate it. I mean, it was certainly, I mean, I, I like a, I, I wish Drangate would do more of these of just these wacky multi-man matches because I think as more companies tend to gravitate towards that style and we now see AEW really dipping their toes into the multi-man matches, which is something that I've been saying from all in, uh, be, you know, that 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 main event should be the template of whatever is to come of this. That 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 is really to me the untapped market in American wrestling is is trios matches. And you know, if any company could pull off a nine man match the way Dragon it could, I would certainly welcome them to at least give it a shot. So I, I don't hate the match structure. It was just maybe more pointless, but certainly not offensive. And then you know, for me, Shuji Kondo. Once again, the MVP of the match he's in, because not only does he have that great, great sequence with Yosuke Santa Maria at the at the finish, where Santa Maria goes for her finish, the crucifix driver, and Kondo doesn't even budge. I mean, he is just unfazed by this attempt at a move that has pinned mighty men in the past, and instead he shakes her off, hits her with a King Kong lariat, gets the 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 pinfall there. And then, you know, he later on hair whips Ashida over his body and onto the chest of Big R Shimizu, which is the best looking move there is in wrestling. I mean, it looks so vicious Just and brutal. so violent every time he does it. It's unbelievable. Uh, and I was I was surprised at the finish. I thought for sure Kondo would get the win and we would get some sort of Toriyaman team challenging for the Triangle Gate belts. But instead, R.E.D. wins. Di- Diamante is the one that gets the pin, which really surprised me. I enjoyed the match. Again, the gimmick wasn't necessarily effective, but it didn't hinder the match, and I went three and three quarters with it. I went four with it because there's there's certain things that hit my sweet spot, and it is the three-way trios. Like, that is my thing. That is what I love between it. And they did make a point of, in the lead-up to all nine wrestlers being in the ring, they did make a big point of making sure everyone saw that the major through line between all this is Okuda and Ishida. And they're still doing the build up there, and there's like parts where they were trying to kind of uh, work together, but then Okuda's like, "No, fuck this guy." And then Ishida, of course, is like, I w- "I'm here to make friends. I-, I want you to join us here." And then there was like a moment where like there was discord as like Okuda was starting to team up a little bit too much for Ishida, and then Yamato came out there, and Yamato was like, "What are you doing with this? Like, how is this happening?" And then Shuji Kondo came in and then just murdered people for four minutes. So I really like this. There was a really cool move that actually was by uh dragon kid where there where uh big archimizu was going up for the shot putt lariat and he turned it into a bible which i thought was really great and it just was like for like a the six minutes that everyone else everyone was in the match and they went for an all sprint it was as good of a sprint as you'd expect out of the these nine wrestlers and i really enjoyed it the subtle storytelling that they are doing with Ashida and Akuda, and now Yamato's getting involved with it, where Ashida and this came up in the in the Kyoto shows of 
Ashida, for as much as he hates Akuda, sees value in him and wants him on RED. And Akuda is saying, you know, no, I have no interest in this, yada, yada, yada. You know, I- I'm going to fight my way. You can fight your way and we'll fight each other. And then they have that moment where they, they land a middle kick together on Genki Horiguchi, which I feel bad for Genki. That must have sucked. But, you know, Ashida starts to tempt him again. You know, maybe we can work together. And Akuda shakes him off, but not exactly convincingly. So when Yamato comes out, he's pissed at Akuda. And it's just... It's just great. Like, this feud, again, where's the Good Helmet DVD? Ashida versus Akuda, because this is another chapter <laughs> mark in what has been a phenomenally sto- uh, uh, told story so far. And we're not, I, I just, I can't wait to see how and when this feud concludes. Because, you know, if, if Ashida and Akuda have another singles match, and Ashida just chokes him out clean and continues on his Bravegate run. I won't mind because it's Kaito Ishida, and I think ultimately he is a future main eventer in the company. If Akuda wins, defeats this guy, wins the Brave Gate belt, it's a great story and a and a satisfying conclusion to a just a brilliant feud. But either way, if the feud ended tomorrow with Ashida winning, give the way everything's gone, I wouldn't hate it. Because it would make Ashita look that much stronger, and I don't think at this point Akuda would be sacrificed. We'll see as no. we go along. Maybe maybe that will change. It depends on kind of how they they book things until that eventual blow off. But right now, man, I I am just in love with everything they are doing. And they don't even have to conclude the storyline with a match. They can conclude this thing with Okuda giving in and turning and being the first big turncoat in this feud in this war, and that'd be satisfying as well because it'd be like, oh no. Ishida warned this guy down, and he discovered, oh, no, I'm not a nice guy. I want to be with this asshole over here. Like, the, it's win-win-win in my books on how they want to take this. I do really want a Brave Gate match in front of a crowd, but I'm just saying there's a lot of outs here that I could find equally as interesting. I, I agree. Now, Mike, this next match, I think you liked it way more than I did. You have the floor. The boys were back in town. The boys <laughs> were back in town. This is... There are certain things that with like Dragon Gate in 2020 that hits right in the right spot, but tag team match, Ultimo Dragon teaming with his student Don Fuji against the unaffiliated team of Masaki Mochizuki and Gamma, that this was just like a combined age of at least 180 years old between all four guys. And this was exactly why I wanted out of the case. Like, you know, like I was, I was like talking on the show is like, oh, we're going to get like Don Fuji and Masaki Mochizuki, Gamma's going to be in this thing. And, like, the only disappointment here was Gamma was kind of in there to be the guy that Ultimo did his moves off of. But when Gamma got fired up, like, whenever, uh, whenever like, Gamma gets angry and, like, takes out the, the uh, Kendo stick, it was tremendous. And then it ended with uh, Ultimo pinning Gamma in 12 minutes and 16 seconds to the Lob Midas draw. We got to see a little bit more of a feistier Ultimo. Ultimo's, like, best partner, I feel like, right now is Masaki Mochizuki stunner there but this was just like a blast of 12 minutes like this this was 12 minutes of guys being dudes what's better than that look if gamma was the wrestler of the year before the shutdown since crowds have returned my man don fuji i mean we we gotta show some love to him he has the sora fujikawa match uh he and kazuma sakamoto beat the tar out of each other at cork and hall and we didn't get a ton of Fuji Mochizuki in this in this match. Certainly not enough of their interactions. But when they were in the ring, my God, Mike, they made a count. What what a brilliant pairing that is. I went three and a quarter. Thought it, I loved loved it for what it was. Just didn't think it was uh, as good as old Mike Spears thought it was. 
three and three quarters. This is <laughs> this is on my personal best of 2020 DVD set coming from your old pal productions. This is exactly my kind of thing. And it was just a good time. You know, this was something where like this show was definitely set up in a certain way that we did have like a, a bunch of, of somewhat low stakes matches start up and then as soon as you see Don Fuji punch uh, Misaki Mochizuki in the face, Misaki Mochizuki wants to rear back and kick him, you know you're going to have a good time. And there was a moment where Gamma looked like he wanted to throw the water bottle at Ultimo Dragon, which, you know, just, just cracks me up. It's just, like, little things that I find great. What we did have before this, and we will not, as we made a joke about this, this match went th- three minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, KZ defeated Yuzushi Kondo with, a, with the Ganjinga Rame. Uh, it was a... a judo finisher that was like a leg scissors and then like a kimura combined it's the, there's a gif of it up there though he beat he beat yuzushi kanda in a match that was just casey t- taking three minutes to eat kanda's lunch this might make it onto my best of dvd for 2020 as a personal favorite just because yuzushi kanda has put me through a lot of pain and suffering in my life and to oh, see absolutely. KZ, to see KZ come in there and whip ass, quite frankly, and then put him in a Cobra Clutch that looked just vicious. It was I, a Cobra I, Clutch with, like, a Kimura. Yeah, it was It was gnarly. It is something that, if you're going to follow this promotion, you need to learn this move now, because I have a feeling it is going to become a major factor uh, in pretty much everything that happens uh, revolving KZ from here on out. Uh, just just a brilliant squash match. Just one that I just I thoroughly enjoyed. KZ can do no wrong right now. I mean, he is Mr. Tough Guy. He, he, he started to call himself that. And what's better than being a tough guy than having a, a sick new submission? Uh, ma- match two was another unaffiliated tag team, but it was unaffiliated because we got the kids in here. As Kai teamed up with Takeda Kamai versus Kagatora Kinto Kabune. Kabune, the leader of the class, penned. Kamai in seven minutes and four seconds with a German suplex hold. And this is a match that you were higher on than me, so take the wheel. Well, look, you know, I've had my issues with Kagatora. I kind of think I, I kind of think he's lazy. I kind of think, like, you know, we talked about, you know, the discourse in 2016. Well, part of the discourse was, oh my god, Casey's so underrated. How does nobody push this guy? This and that. And I was always like, well. I don't know. I kind of think he's he's right where he needs to be. Uh, he doesn't try unless he's winning a title. Uh, and, you know, he's a good worker. You know, I like KZ, but no one that I've ever, you know, he's not someone that I've really ever lost my mind for. But at the end of the day, uh, KZ is a, or I'm sorry, not KZ, Kagatora is a two-time Triangle Gate champion. He's a three-time Twin Gate champion, and he's an Open the Brave Gate champion. And Kagatori is known for being someone with unique offense. The uh, cartwheel DDT that Jake Atlas, uh, I will I will say, took, not stole, because Jake Atlas kind of gave credit where credit was due there. But, you know, Kagatori is just a, a guy that just moves around the ring differently, always has a unique approach, is always doing something new when he's trying. The comp for Takato Kamai is Kagatora. Am I wrong in saying that the best version of Takato Kamai's career is going to be a multi-time Twin Gate champion, Triangle Gate champion, and maybe even a Brave Gate champion at some point? I mean, I they are one a similar size. I mean, we made the jokes about how Kamai would be Yamato Sito because he does kind of have the uh, uh, he does kind of have the Showa good looks as it's been described to me about some wrestlers. He does have like 
he's a very handsome young man and he can play as Yamato, but so is Kagatora. Kagatora was Suicito. So I think that's a fair comp. And I do hope that we get a lot more of uh, Kamai being more active, not taking matches off than Kagatora, but I think that's a fair comp, especially as as I know you've thought that Kobune is a mini doi. I could see like this turning into Kamai being a Yamato Sito into being like Kagatora Jr. or Hyoda Kagatora. Like I could see that. And as I mentioned in the preview, this was a really strong matchup because uh, Kabune was able to mirror Kai, and Kamai was able to mirror Kagatora. So Kamai, you know, he had a real showcase in this match. He did a between-the-ropes head scissors that was just so different than anything I'd really ever seen. I really liked that. But when he wasn't in the ring, it was Kabune and Kai hitting each other as hard as they possibly could, which I knew was going to be great, and it, it was exactly that. And it was just, you know, we'll talk about in these upcoming cards. I mean, there are some names missing from these upcoming shows. Takashi Yoshida did not have a match on this show because there is a talent overflow now. Again, if Dragon Gate wanted to, Dragon Gate could run branded shows at this point. They could have a brand split because there is so much talent on these undercards. And as we've talked about, we know there are still people in the dojo yet to debut. People getting ready for their debuts as we speak. And Kenta Kabune and Takato Kamai, whether their careers pan out or not, the fact is they are seven months into their career. And they are so, so good and so exciting to watch. Everything they do, until I say otherwise, everything they do is essential viewing. Yeah, and it's something where we're getting a lot of the young guys coming out over the next week. And it's something that, you know, we are we are kind of prospect dorks around here. And it's exciting to see. And, you know, Kobune with Kai was a really kind of exciting thing. And I like to see how it happened. There was a lot of Kamai in this match, which is something that, as the Kamai fan around here, I was a big fan of. And it just was something that I'm like, okay, I want to see these guys are on match two of the big show back. Let's keep this going. Let's keep this going. Do I think that either of them are going to have the sudden elevation of Strong Machine J or going to like kick it to the next gear to a level where I'm wondering if Dragon Daya is a top 10 wrestler in the world right now? I don't expect that. But I think that they need to have more opportunities and might devastate some Cyber Kong people out here. But if you're going to give me the chance of Kento Kabune out there or Takashi Yoshida, one of those guys is going to be around in 10 years' case, and it's going to be Kento Kabune. So that's the decision I make there. But it's going to be real interesting. And then we had the opener. It was Dragon Gate versus Toriumon six-man tag team match. This was the one where, like, this is interesting happening because the Dragon Gate side are the champion Triangle Gate champions. I, I flubbed that, but whatever. It was Binkei, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya against a very interesting Torimon team, a Torimon team that raised at least my eyebrow. I think it raised yours as well, as Torimon was represented by Masato Yoshino, Susumi Yokosuka, and Ryo Saito. Maybe we overthought this too much because it was Daya pinning Saito with Reptilian Rana in 13 minutes and 13 seconds. The result did not surprise me. I, I assumed uh, the Triangle Gate team, even in a non-title match, was not going to lose this. And I and I looked at Saito as, as the one taking the pin, whether Benkei or Daya was the one to pin him. You know, it was up for debate, but it ended up being Daya, who I, we, we need to do some some tabulation. We need to go Chris Samsa style and look at the last time Dragon Daya took a fall and the last time he was in a match that he didn't directly win the fall as well, because his, his win streak going back to November is just, it is just absurd. But 
it was a, a a fine opener again. A little a little confusing that they've got the the Triangle Gate champions in these three on three matches and they're doing nothing with them. And there's another situation on the the Kyoto show on August eighth that we're about to break down where they are in the opening match against a similar Toriumon team. It's just very strange. I don't hate it. It's just something that I you know. It, I feel like something bigger is going to happen, but I just I can't figure out what it is. But it was you know fine opener. You know it gave him 13 minutes, which is always nice when a Dragon Gate opener gets room to breathe. Yeah, no, I mean this was a good time. There were some shenanigans. I mean he had Ryo Saito out there. The thing that I thought was interesting was Masato Yoshino took the heat of this match. Like you would think that, like with Masato Yoshino, other than the fact that he's retiring and within five months, that he would not be in this situation. But this is another thing about Masato Yoshino knowing his career is winding down and he's knowing that this will be the end for him soon and he decided that that's the most compelling thing to do in the match i thought that was kind of interesting yeah no i mean it was a fun way to start the show and big pictures just talk about memorial memorial gate for a second here's the deal this is uh for the, the most efficient jumping on point that there's been in years you know we're we're halfway through a feud that you will immediately understand if you sit down and watch a show we have a new champion and a match of the year contender match. I went four and three quarters on it on that main event, which is something that we didn't talk about when we talked about the match, but I really wavered on four and a half or four and three quarters because I initially had four and a half down. Then right before I published, uh, I, I submitted the, re- uh, the review for review, I changed it to four and three quarters because I thought the, the finish was so satisfying and so well done. Just the overall presentation was so great that it needed to be a, a top-tier match, that it needed to be something that will, unless something changes, just given the prospects of the rest of the year, it'll be a top-10 match for me, which there will be a lot of Dragon Gate representation in the top-10. And also, you know, we noticed an uptick in discourse and questions being asked to us over the week because I, I was real careful. I was biting my tongue all week on not uh, not saying this because I was very afraid the main event was going to not follow the guidelines that it did of no heel shenanigans, no real big ref bumps. There was one, but it it wasn't extended. It wasn't ridiculous. Uh, And it was a clean story being told. If you are not getting what you need from New Japan Pro Wrestling right now, which look, I love New Japan, not a competition, but if you are not feeling fulfilled by that product and you want a more satisfying product, history shows Drangate is the way to go. And this is the jumping on point. Subscribe to the network Watch Memorial Gate, and there are seven other live shows coming this month, plus an archive of Toriumon from the beginning to approximately August of 2001 right now, so the first two and a half years of the company. They're adding Naruki Doi Dreamgate matches all of a sudden. Mike Mike Spears has Doi versus Takui Wasa to rewatch once we're done with this podcast. There's oh, baby. A- <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff on the network, but most importantly, if you are looking for a jumping on point, this is it. Do not wait any longer. This is the show. Start with the opener and watch all the way through. It is a real simple process to get on board. You will understand pretty much everybody on the roster if you just sit down and watch the show. Yeah, and as uh, as the way that Dragon Gate Network is, like it's one of those things that I've had people throughout the years like ask me about it and saying like, is it something that like, oh, we have so long for this, we have so long for this. This is the most value I've ever seen the Dragon Gate Network offer. Like, by large, eight shows this month, all the back catalog stuff. Something also also that's worth looking at, 
all the stuff that's in English and all of the uh, the King of Gate stuff and the Rainbow Gate stuff, it's all up there. They're not pulling that from the network. So you can watch what led up to Ada winning this title, and you'll be directly caught up on what all is going on in the company. This is There is no better time, like Case said. And we have... We lucked out here. We were worried about this last night, but we have cards for the next three televised shows and everything through August 12th case. And boy, uh, I, I know I've been saying a lot. The, the the drink is being stirred a ton over the next week as we first as we go from Kyoto to Osaka to Nagoya and then finish up this run in Cork and Hall. Yeah, how, how do we want to do this? Do you want me to run down the matches on the 8th real quick and we can kind of go big picture thoughts on all these cards one at a time? Yeah, yeah, you take the 8th, I'll take the ninth, and we'll bounce back and forth. I, I, lo- I love the teamwork here. So on the 8th, uh, August 8th, 2020, Kyoto KBS Hall, uh, the Gate of Adventure 2020, and this show will air live on the Dragon Gate Network at 6 p.m. JST, which as I quickly Google, turns out to be a 5 a.m. Eastern start, so, so not bad. And as we go through this card, quite honestly, I might watch this show live. We will see, because the dark match is Punch Tamanaga and Ho-Ho Loon versus Jimmy and Madoka Kakuta. Madoka, Madoka Kakuta, another rookie, someone who looked excellent in his debut. I'm so excited to see him back on those cards. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, Masato Yoshino, and Ryo Saito against Ben K, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya kicks off the main portion of the card. So a rematch from the opener of Memorial Gate, subbing Susumu, or I guess Ultimo, rather, for Susumu. KZ versus Takato Kamai, Eita versus Yosuke Santamaria, Yamato and Kai versus BB Hulk and Big R Shimizu. That is a big match to put as match four on a Kyoto show. Dragon Kid, Shuji Kondo, and Yasushi Kanda against Kaito Ishida, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto. And the main event, as I mentioned earlier, Naruki Doi, Susumu Yokosuka, Kagatora against Kaisuke Akuda, Coach Minora, and Jason Lee. Mike, what jumps out at you on what I think is a loaded KBS Hall show. You know, frankly, everything on this show, like usually there's like a match or two where I'm like, you know, could be fun. No, everything in this show from match zero through match six has things that, if not having stakes, are very interesting matchups. Madoka Kakuta, who I don't think has worked a televised match since his debut before the uh, King Gate Finals, is a very unique wrestler. He is a former Capoeira player. And he looks the part. He's very lanky. He's, if you're someone who's dipping back in after a while, he looks, his body type's a lot like how Shun Skywalker's body type was before he decided to get thick. So I'm real interested in that. Opener, you saw the, the Triangle Gate t- champion team there. It's always going to, like, kind of raise my eyebrow a little bit. KZ versus Takedo Kamai. This is a real big platform for Kamai versus KZ. This could be really exciting. We'll see. I, I legitimately KZ... think that match could be great. I, I, KZ versus Kamai. I don't want to set my expectations too high because it'll be a three-minute match where KZ submits him with a submission that he used on Kanda. Sure. But, oh my god, I'm so excited to watch that match. It's just like one of those things that looks really interesting. Eita against Yosuke Santa Maria, uh, they have a long history together. They both were members of the Millennials. Uh, Yosuke joined Millennials to be with Eita. So, I mean, you have that going back with that, and then you have Ada's first televised show, or first show as champion. And then, yeah, Yamato and Kai versus Hulk and Shimizu. I mean, Hulk was the reason why uh, he was the Christmas surprise. He was the Red Demon, and he was the reason why the Twin Gate Championships was vacated. And Yamato and Kai get their hands on both him and Shimizu ahead of uh, Dangerous Gate. Match 5, you know why I'm interested in Match 5. 
that is because whenever I see Dragon Kid and Shuji Kondo in the ring with each other, I'm always going to just have my ear to the ground a little bit to see if something's going to happen. And then as we talked about before, you have Yokosuka Tomei teaming with Naruki Doi against Akuda and the uh, current Twin Gate champions. This is just a loaded card, like 5 a.m. start time on the East Coast. It's something they really get into. I mean, that's that's the thing about these televised shows. We have both uh, Kyoto and Osaka starting at 5 a.m., and then we also have uh, Cork and Hall starting at 6.30 Japanese Standard Time, which is 5.30 a.m. I can't remember last time Dragon Gate had a show start that late at Corkin. So very, very easy times if you're someone, or a lot easier than usual if you're living on the East Coast or if you're one of our European listeners to check these shows live. And also, because so, I've had people ask, the shows go up on demand as soon as the show is over. They, right. they might only last there for a short amount of time, but they are available to watch as soon as the show ends. So, you know, don't panic about watching live if you're a normal person and you don't want to wake up in the middle of the night to watch wrestling. They will be there for you when you wake up, I can assure you. The KBS Hall Show. Uh, the other thing that, that jumps out um, is that Dragon Kid Kondo... Kondo versus Ishida Diamante Sakamoto match. It's going to be more Kondo versus Ishida, um, Kondo versus Sakamoto, and then you've got Dragon Kid and Diamante who have bizarrely good chemistry with one another. So that's even that match, which is probably the least exciting match on paper. Right. Even that's going to be you know that there's stuff there to sink your teeth into. So I I am thrilled for this August Diam- 8th show. I was going to say Diamante learning how to become a very good base has been very exciting to see this year. So. August 9th, it is from Osaka Arena, Osaka 2. It is also part of the Gate Adventure show. For If you just want some lore, this is when they would always hold the uh, Summer Adventure Tag League, was right after it would be the Gate Adventure, so that's why it's called that. As I mentioned earlier, this is a 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time start time, 6 p.m. locally. No match zero on this show, but we have a lot of interesting stuff to go through. Just running down the card real, real quick. Opener, Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. 8-man tag. Yamato, Kai, Keisuke Okuda, and Ochi Shiba going up against Ada, BB Hulk, Big R, Shimizu, and Kazuma Sakamoto. Match 2 is a singles match. Sora Fujikawa is kind of becoming Mr. Edeon 2 as he's going to go up against Diamante. Match 3, Susumu Yokosuka and Shuji Kondo versus Don Fuji and Gamma. That's that's wild. Uh, match 4, as we mentioned before, this is Speed Muscle, Doi Yoshi, the Toribon team of Naruki Doi Masato Yoshino teaming up against Jason Lee and Punch Tomonaga. Semi-main event is match 5, Torimon versus Dragon Gate again. Six-man tag team match, Ultimo, Dragon Kid, Ginky Horiguchi versus Yosuke Santa Maria, uh, Strong Machine J, and Dragon Daya. And your main event for Osaka Edeon 2 on the 9th is Dragon Gate versus R.E.D. six-man tag match. KZ teaming up with Benkei, Kota Minora versus Kaist. Uh, Kaido Ishida, Takashi Yoshida, and Hio. Looted card again, Case. Look, I, there's there's a lot to like here. OG Shiba in the opener. O- OG Shiba squared off against the Dreamgate champion is just something I like. And that's a lot of that's a lot of names in that opener. Yamato Kayakuda, Eita Hulk Shimizu. That is a loaded opening match. Uh, Mike, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but Sora Fujikawa is from Hirakata City in the Osaka Prefecture. So okay. him becoming Mr. Edeon 2 is no mistake. So he's wrestling in front of his hometown crowd, and it's him against Diamante, which is a strange match. It is a really weird match to offer, but I am very excited for it. 
Uh, Susumu and Kondo as a team, that is the direction that we need to head uh, as a as a global society. nation. Just, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I said global nation. Society is what I was looking for. Is If we could just have more Yokosuka and Kondo teaming together, I think that would be great. There's the speed muscle match there where I, I just I fear for Punch Tamanaga's life. Um, that main event. Do you? Do you? <laughs> look, look, I... I believe in in some semblance of punishment to an extent, but I, I do not believe in, in death. I think no man has the right to end another That's man's fair. life. I apologize, <laughs> Punch Tomonaga. I do not wish for your death against Speed Muscle. That was very just... uncool of me. I take ownership of my comments, and I deeply apologize, and I'll do better in the future. Yeah, Mike, well, you're you're listening, and that's the important part, is that we hear you, and we're listening. Um. I do fear that Punch is going to catch a forearm to the head that maybe ends badly, but we will see. That main event, though, what a fascinating match where you've got, you know, Coach Minora, another main event in Osaka. He he won the Osaka main event last time. I think he's going to here as well. And Yo in the main event with Yoshida. And it's just, you know, uh, Casey Ben K. Minora is a weird trio that I'm I'm really excited to see. This is, this is a more experimental show. I think... Yeah. Like, the KBS Hall show is going to be a good show. Now, there might not be any great matches on it, but I think it's going to be one of those three- to four-star range for pretty much every match. Osaka, I mean, there's some stuff on here that could bomb, and there's some stuff on here that could be really great. And if you remember from the last Osaka number 2 show, the crowd was really hot. The atmosphere uh, really works in that arena, even with limited capacity, social distancing, seating. They found a way to make noise as a unit, as a crowd, and it worked out really, really well. So that main event is going to be hot. I expect a lot of these matches to be really heated. So it's another one of those shows. You know, I I, I like the KBS Hall show a little bit more, but these are the two shows we're getting this weekend. Are you kidding me? Like, these shows these shows look great on paper. It's just, it's more content for the Dragon Gate Network. I love it. Yeah, it's tremendous. And we will be talking about all these shows next week. I mean, we were worried about content. We're, we're going to be at Full of content next week. Uh, Aichi and Nagoya, not televised. I don't expect anything from this show to hit the network. Uh, I'm just going to run down it real quick. Yeah, please, because I, I like this card. I'm, I'm bummed oh. this is not making tape. Yeah, no, this, this is one of those cards where you're like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, match Zero, Diaz with the Match Zero squad. It is problem Dia with Problem Dragon versus Hoho Loon and Jimmy. Match one, eight-man tag match. Ultimo Dragon, Naruki Doi teaming up with... Madoka Kakuta and Sora Fujikawa against probably right now four of the five top stars on the uh, Dragon Gate side as it's Yamato, KZ, Kai, and Kota Minenora. And then we get we're, we're then we get into some really interesting stuff here. Jason Lee versus Big R Shimizu. Those two guys work great together. Uh, Yoshino and Ryo Saito versus Eita and BB Hulk. That will be a match. I don't know what kind of match that will be, but that will be a match. And then we have uh, Kento Kabune and Takashi Yoshida, singles match for Kabune, and then Torimon six-man tag. Uh, we get a Jimmy's reteam as it's Suzumi Yokosuka, Yoshiyuki Kanda, and Kiki Horiguchi against Benkei, Keisuke Okuda, and UT. UT making his return finally to his hometown. He is back up. He is back off the injured list. And then the main event is a Torimon six-man tag. Dragon Kid, Kondo, and Horiguchi versus Ishida, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto in case. What a wild show we have here. Look, I don't know off the top of my head anybody that lives in Aichi, but if you do, 
and you do feel like risking the thing to go to the show, please record a horizontal fan cam of Ultimo Dragon, Naruki Doi, Madoka Kakuta, and Sora Fujikawa versus Yamato, Keizi, Kai, and Kota Minora. That is the match that I want to see from this show. Jason Lee versus Big R. Shimizu will be fun. Uh, you, weirdly, you cut out, at least on my end, right when you said Ata's name. So the match is Yoshino and Saito versus Ata and BB Hulk, which could have some long-term ramifications, we'll see. And then the back half of that card is very strange. Uh, but UT returns, and then we get him on August 12th at Cork and Hall, which, Mike, if, you, if you're if you okay with it, I, I would like to run down this card real quick. Please do. Uh, one thing before we we get into this card, this will be a card that all the, the shows so far, if you're a new person... They've been single cam. I think Dragon Gate single cam is fine. I think they do a good job with hard cam. But this will be a show that will have full production and will likely have English commentary on VOD with uh, Dragon Gate J, who is kind of the godfather of Western uh, Dragon Gate fans, and he's really grown to being a strong uh, com- uh, commentary person, so or commentary person, a strong broadcaster. So, Case, please run us down this card. Yes, August 12th, Cork and Hall. We've got the opener of Don Fuji, Susumu Yokosuka, and Yasushi Kanda against Kite, uh, I'm sorry, Kaisuke Yakuda, Problem Dragon, and Oji Shiba. Quite the list of talents there. Ryo Saito versus Konamama Ichikawa, the former stalker Ichikawa, is in match two. Masaki Mochizuki and Gama versus Takashi Yoshida and Kazuma Sakamoto. Ultimo Dragon, Naruki Doi, Dragon Kid, and Shuji Kondo against KZ, Ben K, Strong Machine J, and UT in a loaded eight-man tag. What follows is Coach Minora, Jason Lee, and Dragon Daya against Kaito Ishida, Diamante, and Yo. And finally, the Road to Dangerous Gate special six-way match, Yamato, Kai, Masaru Yoshino, Eita, BB Hulk, and Big R Shimizu. And just to read the rules from the Dragon Gate English Facebook page, the six neutral corner turnbuckles will have the numbers one through six hidden at random inside of them. The match will be completed under or competed under survival rules with pinfall submission and over the top rope in play. The competitors will be allowed to open a turnbuckle in the order that falls were scored during the match. For example, Yoshino throws Ato over the top rope as the first fall of the match. Yoshino has survived and gets to pick first. Ato will continue in the match until he scores a fall. The number draw is the number where the competitor will enter the September 21st steel cage match. In the event that a competitor does not score a fall during the match, they will automatically be assigned the number 6 position. For advantages and disadvantages of entry position, refer to the rules for the steel cage match, which we will not read at this time. We will read next week as we will know the order of when people uh, will be entering that match. If it sounds confusing, it's because it is. But (laughs) it will make sense when you watch it, I promise. It's been a while since they've had a, uh, these used to be called like the key treasure match matches where they would have like a match and it was decided a next person to get a Dragon Gate shot is the person who'd find the key for the belt. And there'd be a, like convoluted rules of you were only allowed to open so many turnbuckles and it'd be after a fall. But if you open so many turnbuckle paths and did not find the key, you were eliminated. So we're getting that. Uh, match one, I mean, I'm that's a, that's a collection of dudes on the Torimon side and then OG, as much as OG is someone that, like, a couple weeks ago on the Heat Seekers list that we had, Heat Seekers and Hustlers list, OG Shiba was one of my picks there. And it was something that, like, OG is someone that he's still kind of coming back from a what looked like and what we thought for a while could have been a career ending knee injury. He is the former wrestler Katoka's younger brother. And I find him very interesting because not only is he facing the idea that he had a, he was out for about 15 months with a, 
almost like his knee was shredded. Like I, th- I think I know it was at least ACL, but I think it was several other ligaments as well. And then he kind of disappeared and came back. But he's also in the fact that he is the first ever second generation wrestler in Dragon Gate, in a way. I mean, it's his, it was his older brother, Saito versus Konamaui Chikawa. That's a, I mean, that's going to be a comedy match. Like we'll just, I, I, I think with as much certainty as I had for the Dreamgate match, I'm willing to stake here so I'll be made an idiot of. But this will be a comedy match, right, Case? I think that is a safe bet. I think we know enough about the company and its history to make an accurate prediction that this will indeed be a comedy match. Yeah, yeah, no, this will be a comedy match. And then we get a whole bunch of dudes in match three with Mochizuki and Gamma versus Yoshida and Sakamoto. A lot of beef slapping against beef there. And then match four, that's loaded. I mean, you have uh, two. Uh, you have two parts of the Triangle Gate champion team in the in that match, and then you have four of the biggest stars in the company on the other side, and then six man tag. I mean, of more champions there. Everyone but uh, the uh, Triangle Gate members in the first match, and then of course Ada in the main event could set up a Triangle. G- a triangle challenge or could set up a twin gate challenge if red gets a pin there and then who knows with match six but it will set we will be officially on the road to dangerous gate after this yeah the, the things i like about this card i think it's gonna be a quick show those first three yeah. matches are gonna fly by there's no intermission now match six is gonna get a lot of time but part of that time is gonna be devoted to post-match promos um which if you know you don't speak the language, you'll just be able to read the translations on the Dragon Gate English Facebook page. Um, so, uh, you know, that that Road to Dangerous Gate six-way match, I, I just can't get a feel for how that's going to go. I trust this company to make it entertaining, but that's hard to predict. The one match that jumps out to me is match four, the Ultimo Doi, DK, and Kondo versus KZ, Ben K, Strong Machine J, and UT match. Because that's UT and Kondo, that's KZ and Kondo, Ben K and Kondo for that matter, uh, UT and Dragon. Everyone. Yeah, I, it's it, it's Shuchi Kondo versus everybody. U- UT and Kondo, we've never seen that before. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Kondo and KZ have touched yet, so that's that's another new one. And then, you know, UT and Ultimo is going to be fun, UT and DK. Assuming UT is even 95%, that match has a real potential to be great. And that is all coming up within a week. That That is that is well on the horizons, or I guess not well. On the, it's coming up. That's what I meant to say. It's coming up. My throat hurts and I'm tired. Um, But there's a ton of content coming to Dragon Gate Network this month. I'm so excited for these shows. I think that KBS Hall show, man, I I am just, I am frothing at the mouth to watch that show. I'm so excited for that. And then Osaka on the 9th, and then Corrigan Hall on the 12th. It is a loaded month. It is a loaded month of shows, eight live shows on the Gate Network. And we have a new Open the Dreamgate champion in Ata. And I cannot believe I'm saying this, but I'm pumped about it. Yeah, this is, I I have a big thing about, if you're not going to be great, be interesting, because there's nothing worse than being boring like if you're gonna be bad be bad and interesting don't be bad and boring this is great and interesting i'm excited to see there's a lot of things to look forward to we're definitely in the hot period of hammer that home but from here we get eight matches we get eight shows this month we go straight into september we've got gate of origin in october gate of destiny in osaka in november and then final gate to round out the year so everything's built into everything there's no stalling i mean the bricks on the accelerator we're, we're going to either make this jump or we're going to crash. One way or the other, case, it's going to go some places. So we've been going kind of long, but we kind of had to. I mean, we, we, if we did not talk and break down Wakayama the way we did, I would feel like we'd be doing everyone 
a big disservice. But Case, is there anything big you wanted to touch on before we got out of here? No, no. Going long was warranted. This is the biggest show of the year. Um, and Dragon Gate, and quite honestly, you know, a, a landmark show for them given the new champion. So it was worth it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore in your case. Mike Spears is on Twitter at Fujiheya with two eyes like Don Fuji. And we are both sharing the Open the Voice Gate account at Open Voice Gate. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns on the product or the podcast, you can tweet us there. And we'll see if we respond. But we are typically very friendly people, and we are nice guys, and we are cool guys. And that's the Open the Voice Gate podcast. Oh, one last thing. I did post this. for Another thing for new, new Dragon Gate fans. Pin tweet my account. I Any match that I think is worth watching. I make a list of, I rank it, it's all pretty well defined. I have my top 10, I have matches that you should see, matches you have to see, and matches that are essential to watching. So that's another resource if you're diving in. Welcome. Then come up. Thank you for coming aboard. This is an ex- No time has been more exciting to talk about in Dragon Gate than this, th- these last few weeks, and then, of course, Memorial Gate, and it's going to get more exciting from here. So for a case, I'm Mike, and we'll catch you next time on Open the Voice Gate. Take care.